it's that time again. Time for the Cowboy Roundtable. I'm your host, Jeff Fry. We're joined tonight by Ian McMacken, the publisher of Go Wild Go, and Doug Friesen, poke fan extraordinaire out of Arizona. So sit back and relax while we talk Wyoming football. Good evening, Jeff. Good evening, guys. How you doing? Got to get the virtual audience going there. So, um, <clears throat> welcome to another uh, episode of Cowboy Roundtable. And again, uh, I hate to say this, but um, we're uh, we're in one of those situations where we're coming off uh, a loss, and it was a. Uh, 24 to 16, lost, but uh, it was a good defensive effort, right? Did you, uh, did you guys agree with that? That was one of the bright spots. Uh, we held well, one of the... Defensively, yeah, the Cowboys had played as well as they possibly could have played the football game against a high-octane Utah State team that had everybody concerned and worried before uh, the game and the Cowboy defense really after they gave up that first touchdown on the first possession literally did not give up another touchdown because uh, you know the special teams touchdown that was given up by the Cowboy special teams for Utah State scoring and then that second half touchdown by Utah State came from the Vanderwall interception Tyler Vanderwall interception that helped set up that touchdown and the defense also held these guys under 200 yards so I thought the Wyoming defense is really starting to hit their stride, and uh, this could bode well uh, here in in its next few games. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. They uh, they certainly came to play, and um, uh, we also had an, an interesting feature. Uh, we had two quarterbacks uh, play. Uh, a young man by the name of Sean Chambers, freshman. Uh, he comes from California. I, di- I didn't catch his hometown. But I understand that he's from Central Valley, California, just like Josh is. And his hometown is a mere 38 miles from Fireball, which is Josh Allen's hometown. So maybe we got this thing going with Central California that's going to help us out. Uh, Sean had a really good game uh, in for a freshman just coming off the bench. Uh, had a good completion percentage. He ran most of the time. And so now we have a quarterback controversy right guys well you could call it a quarterback controversy to me what i saw in the eighth game of the season was what we saw in 2016 when josh allen came in against eastern michigan suddenly there was a spark in the in the actually is the 2015 you just had a feeling you knew as a cowboy fan of all the years you've seen quarterback play and that um he was the real deal on offense and i kind of have that feeling and i really don't think i'm mistaken but as soon as i saw chambers in there and just changing the dynamics of the game and his athletic ability and um how he got some of those that some of that yardage, you know, he had had some nice blocking. He also did some made some moves on his own that is it, it, just a difference maker kind of thing. And and um, 
I'm hoping there's a few more of those surprises on the roster like that to, to bode well for the future of the program. Well, I tell you, um, it certainly was a spark. There was a, a marked difference in uh, the way the team played for him. So uh, I think you're right. I think that uh, this is uh, uh, bodes, bodes well for us. Now, Coach Bull, um, in his press conference, which we're going to play here in a little bit, uh, talked about that, and he was asked specifically about the change. Uh, a lot of people were really irritated uh, by the fact that uh, Bull uh, had decided to take Sean out for the last drive of the game and uh, put in Tyler. And uh, what do you guys feel about that? Well, in watching um, um, the play, you know, and I, I kind of I hate to be horribly critical, but there's a reason why Tyler has only thrown 3D passes the entire season. And, uh, you know, yeah, I know he had that two-minute deal against uh, Wofford. And um, so, you know, yeah, maybe you could buy into the argument or whatever. But sometimes, I don't know, I just kind of feel like it, it was pulling out the pitcher that, you know, was still throwing a no-hitter at that point. And the reason why you took him out is because his pitch count got above 90 and he walked the guy on like 11 pitches, you know, which several of them were barely fouled off for the batter to stay alive. And, um, you know, I, you know, it, it, it's a coach's decision, you know, and it is what it is right here at this point. But I think as a fan at that point, it's like, what did we have to lose but the game? We were already on the short end of the stick. And let's just see what the person did, you know. And instead, you know, we brought in a guy that had basically sat for two quarters that had trouble hitting his targets the whole game, and it finished that way. Yeah, it did. Uh, I, I can see Bull's rationale, you know, going with the, the experienced hand in that situation. But uh, the gut feeling, uh, like you said, was – dang, why didn't you just leave him in there? I mean, uh, we ended up at the same place we we ended up. I mean, <laughs> we lost the game. So uh, it's one of those situations where you're like, okay, well, who knows now uh, what it would have been. So um, and we just have to live with that one, I guess. Um, well, I think Paul probably, um, from his standpoint, uh, he remembered – Tyler driving the ball down against Wolford and winning a game on the two-minute offense. And then against Hawaii, he did drive the ball down the field against Hawaii late in the game on uh, two occasions. Of course, we talked about the drop pass in the end zone by the tight end. So not that I can agree with the decision, um, but I think from one perspective, he figured that Tyler had been in that two-minute pressure situation before, and he's had some success at in the two-minute offense. And he probably decided to roll the dice a little bit in that situation. Um, I kind of wondered, you know, when uh, Chambers got pulled out in the first half from that fumble he had um, early in the game or later in the first half, I should say, and then we didn't see him until the, the second half. Been interesting if uh, Bull would have just uh, stayed with him in the first half, if the Cowboys could have manufactured a few more touchdowns, maybe win the football game or at least have a chance to win at the end there. 
Yeah, that was really unfortunate. Uh, uh, Bull had said in his press conference that, um, you know, before uh, Sean went in, you know, they told him, uh, you know, lectured him on uh, uh, you're going to get hit harder than you've uh, than you uh, you've been hit before, and so you got to hang on to the ball. And he said it was just like a teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Then it happened to him, but I'm I'm glad they did go back to him and 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 let him play because I I think that would have devastated him if uh, they just threw him on the bench and left him there for the rest of the game after giving him a shot, you know. So, well, it was a football game that really came down to a couple a couple swing plays. Maybe the Cowboys could have made a couple more plays uh, on special teams, or you know, the offense could have maybe move the sticks on a couple occasions. So we don't know if Chambers, you know, getting back in there in the, in the first half, there would be more opportunities for him to generate uh, more offense for the Cowboys and more points. And, you know, Doug has a good eye for this stuff. And, uh, you know, I've always appreciated Doug and, of course, your eyes on these guys. And Doug immediately texted me during the course of the game or right after the game that he was really – his eye test on, on Chambers. He was really impressed with him and stuff. So – I'm going back and watching the replay. Um, they're just a, a certain stature that he has out on the field, even as a true freshman, um, the way he handles himself out there. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see what he can do here in the near future. Yeah, the they asked Bowl um, whether Sean was going to start, and he said, well, I've got both of the quarterbacks listed, and if you want to know who starts the game, be there at 8.30 when we kick it off. So <laughs> that's how we're going to find out. Uh, who's going to start this game? Uh, I I suspect that um, uh, we're going to see Tyler Vanderwall in that game. Uh, I don't think they're going to go with Sean the whole game. Uh, I don't know if he's going to start Tyler and then bring Sean in or uh, vice versa, but I, we're going to see both quarterbacks in my opinion. Uh, I actually agree with you there, Jeff. I, I think there's going to be a combo of both those quarterbacks and there's going to be plays that are going to fit um going to fit chambers and there's going to be plays that are going to be more for Vanderball to run and there's going to be kind of a combination of those two playing throughout the game and the one the guy that has the hotter hand may be the one you're going to see in crunch time in the second half so but i would be surprised if just one of the quarterbacks played on friday night yeah um well i tell you what let's listen to um Bull's uh, opening remarks of his presser this week that he had on Monday. Okay, we'll go ahead and get started. What a great week. These are exciting times uh, for football programs. It's a pleasure for me to serve as a head football coach at the University of Wyoming, getting ready for the border war. Uh, I believe it's the longest uh, football rivalry west of the Mississippi, certainly the bronze boot. Is there? Uh, I know that uh, when it comes to games like this, uh, you throw records out. And while we certainly have not had the year that I thought we would have at this point, I don't know how Coach Bobo sees their squad, but I do know uh, Colorado State uh, has got a great tradition. Coach Bobo <clears throat> does a great job, man of integrity. Their team will play hard. Uh, the Cowboys will play hard, and it's going to be a fun, fun game. Uh, so. Um, in the you know after reflecting of last week, uh, certainly disappointing we didn't come up with a win. Uh, choosing to say that the glass is somewhat half full, I think that there were certainly some bright spots with the game. 
Um, <clears throat> you know, I thought our defense really handled the up-tempo pace uh, extremely well. Uh, we were able to get their quarterback off rhythm. He'd been completing close to 70% of his passes, and I think he was in the 40% there. We did have the one explosive play at the beginning of the game. That was a high-risk, high-reward call, and it didn't turn out our way. Um, I thought, uh, you know, offensively in the second half, we did some good things. Certainly the yardage indicated that as well. Um, and so, um, you know, we're going to move forward. Uh, we were not able to play with Alonzo Velasquez uh, during the game. I would think that it's going to be doubtful for him the rest of the year. He's got some uh, <clears throat> knee issues, and so that's disappointing for him and for us. Uh, Ruby Stouffer will continue to go in and start at his place. Um, we'll continue to be uh, same punter with Dante Crow, but we will use Ryan on other times as well. Um, the status at the quarterback position, I purposely have listed that as or. That's going to be evaluated during the course of this week. They each bring uh, different elements to the table. We'll see how they, uh, how they perform during the course of this practice. Uh, we played both guys last week. Uh, that certainly could come into play as well. Uh, but uh, that's going to be a game time decision. So for those who are here, if you want to know, uh, show up in Fort Collins at 8 o'clock and you're going to find out. Uh, but uh, I'm personally excited about this game. Our players are excited about this game. Uh, it's, it's one of the things I've coached 36 years. Uh, these are fun, fun things uh, to go out and compete. And you have two really classy programs. Uh, you throw out the records and you, you tee it up and see who's the best. Well, that was uh, Coach Bull uh, talking uh, talking about the game. Uh, he said he's not going to talk about, like I said, the quarterback until uh, 8 o'clock when uh, they trot him out to the first play. So uh, that'll be interesting. Um, what uh, I think that uh, he did sound pretty upbeat. Um, I know that there's a lot of pressure on him. Um, but um, I think he's a guy that's been in this game uh, for a long time and uh, really knows how to handle the pressure. Well, I agree. There is no doubt that, um, you know, he's a proven coach. You know, you can get into these arguments, you know, well, he did most of his stuff at this level, not at this other level or whatever. But, you know, it, it, Managing a program and targeting the outcome, it's kind of one of the same no matter what level you're at. You know, if you're coaching to lose, then, you know, you're going to have a loser program or whatever. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Coach Bull's not out here to try and lose a game on purpose. I, I don't think, you know, it, it sits well with him at all. And, um, you know, and he just doesn't have any more commentary than he really, you know, desires to share about some things. And I, I can understand and respect that too, you know, by, you know, for the example, the quarterback situation is listed as or we're going to evaluate that. What you have to do is put your trust in and that the evaluation that they're making is one that provides the team the best opportunity to, uh, win games. You know, as an armchair quarterback, I can sit here and look at it and say, oh man, after seeing Chambers for um, two quarters and what he could do, I wished he'd have been inserted in the Hawaii game and we might be in four and four right now instead of two and six. You know, but uh, um, 
is that a fair assessment to possibly make? You know, I'm just saying, hey, you know, maybe the guy produces something that provides that. So, you know, I, I guess we'll see what the thought is and see how that works out in the in the um, in the CSU game when the game begins. Yeah, and that's just uh, basically uh, all there is to it. Well, uh, you know, we've discussed the the, the um, Fresno State thing. I guess we can put that one to bed and uh, look ahead to the future. And so I want to play you a little bit of a little song here in honor of the next game. It's Sheep Week, and things uh, Jeff. It's amazing. <laughs> They're out there. There's a whole internet full of stuff out there, you know. So, uh, yep. So it's Sheep Week, and uh, big rivalry, and uh, uh, the only comfort I take in this game is the fact that I don't think the sheep's doing much better than we are. Are they? What's their record? Well, they're uh, what, six, Doug. They're three and five. So they got one and, more. And the Sheep have three Division One wins, including a win over an SEC team. Arkansas. Um, and their other two wins are Mountain West wins against uh, three and four New Mexico and zero and seven San Jose, both in Fort Collins. All three wins are in Fort Collins. So, uh, so you can argue that they've had a little better season than we have, especially beating Arkansas. I mean. Yeah. Well, if you look at CSU, their first eight games, um, the teams they played have a combined win-loss record of 32-27. So you could argue that, well, CSU's schedule is tough enough. Their their cumulative uh, totals of games for their opponents their opponents have finished above 500 whereas uh wyoming um first eight games the combined win-loss records of those teams are 36 and 16. Uh, that's a little bit higher of a percentage if i do my uh public school math correctly <laughs> um yeah. you know because i you notice i eliminated saying the my federal government math. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's inflated so, anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, um, not to go down that road, but, um, you know, I've had the opportunity to watch CSU in a, in a number of games, and, and their defense is quite vulnerable in both passing and running. Um, however, uh, the one thing I noticed that if you don't pass very well, 
they will start loading up the box and stop the run. And that's exactly how they came back and beat Arkansas because Arkansas was very one-dimensional with their running game. And that does just, I, I think it's conditioning over watching eight games of Wyoming. Our passing attack is pretty lethargic. And if teams find a way to, to uh, fill that box up and, slow our run game down you know yeah we got okay run numbers but overall um you know when you have more games well below 300 yards than the two games that we've had above 300 yards in total offense uh that doesn't add up to too many wins and and so it's 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 like saying that you know if csu finds a way to light it up a little bit because they are a pass happy team pass happy first and uh if they find a way to get it going because you can't get any pressure on the quarterback then it could spell for another disappointing night for us but if we find a way to play some defense anything similar to like what we played against utah state and um and we find a way to run and when needed pass the ball against CSU, hey, I like our chances. I do too. I think that um, being that it's a rivalry game, which always heightens the um, uh, intensity of it, and uh, we're, we're playing in their place, so uh, uh, that doesn't seem to be a factor towards the win and loss. I think uh, we've, we've shown, we've had years where, I think uh, there was a series of years where they won at our place and we went at their place. So it uh, it uh, <clears throat> is it's a factor, but I don't think it's a huge factor. We're going to have a, hopefully a, a decent crowd. I hope people haven't bailed out on them and um, will show up in Fort Collins uh, for the game. So um, uh, I like their chances as well. Uh, Ian, what do you think? Well, the Las Vegas betting line has CSU only uh, favored by a point and a half. So Vegas looks at this being a, being a close game, analyzing it based on many of the statistics and analysis that Doug just shared with us. And they kind of look at it that way when they're setting their gaming line. So I'm expecting a close football game. What's keeping me optimistic uh, a little bit for this one is I think maybe we have a new dimension uh, with Chambers. I do think when Chambers is in there now, that's going to help open up a few more holes or bigger holes for Nico Evans, because now not only can they focus on Nico, they got to focus on Chambers. And it, and I believe Nico's one of those guys, you just give him a little bit of a slip through the hole there, a little hole uh, size, he's going to get through there and he may end up having a big game. So that gives me a little bit of hope that Chambers will get more implemented even though I feel like there will be a back and forth between him and Vander while playing, I think there will be some opportunity for Chambers and Nico Evans to do some things in the run game and maybe uh, they'll surprise us with some passing, uh, some pass plays. Um, and also do think that Wyoming fans will show up as usual. They always do even in down years. They do show up in Fort Collins. Um, usually a pretty good hefty crowd there for a game on Friday night from Wyoming. Well, you know, uh, I agree with you there. Uh, look at what uh, Sean put on film uh, against Utah State. He had a really uh, uh, good 
a series of runs against Utah State. So now that's going to make the uh, uh, CSU have to worry about him. Neither they have to spy him or they have to take their concentration off of uh, Nico some. And, um, you know, we get a little bit of a passing game there. Uh, I think we're going to really, um, we're going to really do well. Uh, Sean showed me uh, something when he hit that 47 yard up the middle pass to, uh, Nico Evans. That was a, that was a, uh, feather touch on that pass. And, uh, so, but we That's know it had all season, I think. Well, yeah. And, uh, uh, he really showed some touch on it. Uh, and so, uh, that gives me a lot of hope. Uh, you know, one thing about that pass too, Jeff, is the receiver was hit in a running stride. Yeah. Cause after he caught that ball, he wasn't trying to regain his balance, pull the ball in, and give the defenders a chance to close that gap. He got it and had yards after the catch to, you know, wide open to run. And, uh, you know, that really helped break that pass open. That's the kind of passing touch you would really like to see on a routine basis, you know, with um, um, whatever quarterback that we have in there. But, um, you know, that... Uh, you know, Sean was three for five on his passes or whatever, and and that's not much of an assessment for the season. But you know, until you see the guy do it more, you know, hey, those first three looked pretty good. Yep. Well, you know the the old saying, uh, the most popular quarterback on a team is the one sitting on the bench. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, if he doesn't start, you know, there'll be a lot of. Uh, Let's put it this way. If, if Tyler Vanderwall starts and he struggles in that first series, you know there's going to be just outright cries for, for Sean to come in. Not that that would affect Bowl or the coaching staff. They're not going to listen to the crowd, but uh, I, can just, uh, I can just hear it now. I can, I can envision what the board would be like. <laughs> so well, I think – to be a situation where it's not going to really matter who starts the game on the first couple possessions um, because I think both of them are going to end up playing. It's really the quarterback that's going to be able to lead us when, when the game's on the line as, as the game stretches along. Yeah, yeah. What, uh, uh, what does Colorado State now uh, – uh, Austin Carter Samuelson. Uh, Carter um, Samuels' brother. It's not Austin Carter Samuels. Uh, what's his name? Uh, K. It starts with a K. Yeah, it's Casey. I was saying that's his little brother is one yeah. of their quarterbacks. Uh, Casey. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, that's kind of an interesting. Carter Samuels. Um, I had I, my brain went blank on what his uh, Carter Samuels. Yeah. <laughs> um, we know it's a Carter Samuels, but he is not starting though. It's. KJ, yeah, is that who's starting the Colin Hill, the sophomore? Yeah, Colin Hill's going to be the one starting over Carter Samuels. His uh, coach there wants to make a change. Was not happy with the performance offensively against Boise State. So we're going to see a guy that's gone through a couple knee surgeries or had some knee issues uh, start the game Friday night. It doesn't mean he's going to finish it, but he's definitely starting it um, in that game. So. Yeah, oh boy. So, uh, yeah, that'll make that interesting. 
Uh, how is um, the Rams' defense? Anybody got a line on that? Doug nailed uh, it pretty good, and I'd like to hear Doug's analysis again about it. Okay. Doug nailed it pretty well. Let's let me grab this here. The defense. Um, the Colorado State defense is ranked 11th out of 12 teams in the Mountain West. Um, they're a balanced defense. They give up more passing yards than rushing yards, but they give up a ton of both. And, um, you know, and sometimes things are influenced by our, our – I, I do believe in watching them that they probably have a little better rush defense than they have uh, for a passing defense. Um, what I've seen CSU is, is they're kind of in spurts. Um, their offense has really provided them the opportunity to win the three games because if they had any ineptness at all on offense with their defense, they'd be zero and eight right now, not three and five. Um, um, but, uh, what we're going to have to do is expose them and expose them quick because they are a team that they can light you up on offense when they execute it just fine. I mean, they, um, whether you like Carter Samuel or not, or wherever they're switching up with Hill with their own quarterback contrast or whatever, um, I've seen where they can look absolutely pathetic and turn the score away to watch something else and suddenly find out that they've overcome a 28-point deficit to where now they're within a touchdown of the game again. And they put up some pretty serious numbers against Boise State. Well, they have and, some talent on offense. They have big wide receivers that I guarantee are going to be NFL, at least in NFL camps and maybe NFL draft picks. And they're explosive. I find that they do make mistakes a lot. You know, Carter Samuels tends, he may not play now, but tends to throw some balls up that are a little bit risky. And then the, the receivers have dropped some balls. Not the most efficient, but there's no question. These guys have length and they have size and they have speed. And they do have explosion as an offense. There's no question about that. You know, they um, their worst offensive output was the game against CU. And um, they only put 284 yards on the board. And um, They've had some low rushing yardage. They didn't rush very good against Hawaii, Colorado, Arkansas, or Florida, the four games to start. In fact, the rushing isn't even that spectacular. The one game they rushed for over 200 yards was against San Jose, but you know everybody does whatever they want against San Jose. Uh, we'll, we'll forget about what Wyoming did last year. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what what concerns me the most is that um, is that CSU can put up humongous passing yards when I mean, 373 at Boise, you know 537 against Hawaii. I mean, I, don't, I don't think we even put up 50 yards passing against Hawaii. Um, you know, and, and their worst uh, passing, they, they've had two games below 200 yards. Otherwise, they're mid-200s and some 300-plus games. And and uh, they're in a position to test our defense. But, you know, Utah State was putting up some big numbers, too, and our defense responded wonderfully. And that's why I say if our defense can – control the line of scrimmage, CSU's not going to rush on us, but we also 
got to get pressure on the quarterback because they are a quick release. They're not going to run around and wait all day to get rid of the ball. If they got a pass play called, they're throwing it. And good, bad, or otherwise, they're making some yardage on it. And, you know, I think Wyoming would have a chance to be unbeaten right now if we're putting up the kind of numbers CSU's putting up. So, you know, it, it's going to be a battle no matter which way. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and try and pump the sunshine here, you know, thinking that, you know, hey, we're going to switch our quarterbacks and all's going to be well. Um, you know, our defense is going to have to come ready to play. There's just no ends, ifs, or buts about it. Yeah, I um, I don't have a lot of concern about the defense, except um, occasionally they'll get burnt on the long ball. Uh, you know, we've had some problems with that on, a, on occasion, you know. And I don't know if that's a, <clears throat> if that's a, a problem with um, – communications or um if uh they find something against our, our secondary but we've had some problems with that on occasion i mean we've been burnt for some long ones uh throughout the season so i'm hoping they've got that tied up well the hawaii game was a bad play that cost wyoming the game because our secondary fell asleep or something happened back there so that that can happen occasionally so i think Wyoming's going to have to move the football better than it's moved it in previous games. There's no question. We're going to have to find a running game. If we think we're going to get away with beating CSU scoring 12, 16 points, we're going to really have to get that running game going and do some things in the passing game. Because even though our defense is playing well, we have, have a talented defense, uh, they're going to give up some plays to CSU. That's just the way things work sometimes. And, um, so the offense is going to have to go a couple levels to give Wyoming a chance in this game, and maybe we can find some turnovers. Because uh, CSU has been a little bit turnover prone at times. Well, the uh, I mean, how many in terms of percentage? And I, I should have taken some time this afternoon to figure this out. But in terms of percentage, how many uh, drives uh, Wyoming has that end in three and outs? I would be. I would say it's better than fifty percent. <laughs> uh, they uh, they have a real difficult time keeping on the field, uh, and they've they've um, uh, and Coach Bull mentioned this last week. Uh, they've even had trouble of being uh, third and short, and still not being able to uh, to uh, get the first down. So. Uh, you're right. This offense has got to stay on the field. They've got to protect the defense. Uh, they've got to make some drives. You know, uh, now against Utah State, uh, uh, not Utah State, but um, the prior game to that, uh, uh, we couldn't get out of the end zone against uh, Fresno. Uh, they had they had the offense pinned. Uh, Behind the twenty yard line, almost every uh, almost every drive, and so uh, uh, we can't have that against CSU. We've got to have a, a, a good special teams play, and uh, uh, we've got to be able to move that ball because the defense can't do it all. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> they need some rest. Uh yeah, there's there's no doubt about that, Jeff. In fact, I think in the post-game press conference, a uh, question was asked by our uh, esteemed board leader um, about 
the decision on like fourth and ones and fourth and twos on the short side of the 50-yard line um, hunting the ball versus maybe going for it. And um, um, I, I know I remember at least two situations, maybe there is more, um, um, but I know there's two situations where on the short side of the 50, and uh, the reply basically was that, well, we had confidence in what our defense was doing. Well, here's from a fan's perspective. Um, we have confidence in what our defense is doing, then let's stop them at the 45-yard line, you know, instead of putting it, taking a chance it goes in the end zone, we spot it on the 20 if our defense is playing that good because what if we get that first down? Now, we're not very far from field goal range. And and uh, and th there's got to be something done to situate our team to score some points. And I think that's the, the real killer thing that's hard to take on top of the the lack of yardage. I, I really don't care what the yardage totals are. I care about the final score. And uh, when you look at our common opponents, um, you know, Hawaii and, and Boise, um, our defense has held those two teams to a combined 47 points. We've managed to score 31 points against them. CSU, the same teams, they've given up 99 points to those teams, but they've scored 62. They've doubled our scoring and allowed double the amount of uh, points given up. So now you have a high-scoring team with a bad defense playing a game against uh, a team that's actually played some pretty good defense and is a low-scoring team. So, you know, what is this game going to be Friday night? <laughs> is it going to be a shootout, or is it going to be uh, a battle to see who can score the closest to 10 or less? <laughs> yeah. Um... The only game, I went to a game back in 78, Air Force, and it was a 0-0 tie. So, uh, you know, maybe we can see history. <laughs> I was thinking about what, what Bill Lewis would do to adjust his offense after that 0-0 game. <laughs> Boy, that I was, think we won four whole games that year, too. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, that we was... didn't have the internet to worry about and the fans on social <laughs> yeah. media and talk shows and all that fun stuff back then. He just got a little hack through the through the AD. They used to call him the AD and uh, maybe seeing some people out in the street. So things have changed so much. Well, actually, If I'm not mistaken about the biggest part of criticism back in those days, it was the branding iron and if somebody wrote a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> Put a cartoon in there. <laughs> well, the um, uh, that Bo was asking him, well, it started off with about uh, Watts, the freshman, the lineman, uh, Watts, he's going to be playing. Uh, he's starting. They asked him about that, and Bowl went off on this tangent about the competitive nature, uh, the need for a competitive nature of the offense. Let's listen to that comment. I think we got a good player, and uh, you know we we looked during the course of this game, and uh, Zach is from Windsor. Um, you know he uh, was an excellent high school player. He's been competitive. Um, He'll, he'll maintain blocks. I think there's a certain progression an offensive lineman goes through uh, that they start to learn. I, I can tell you this. Um, 
we need more competitive football players on our football team, and we need more competitive guys on offense, period. And the numbers back, the numbers bear that out. And so our football team is going to become more competitive. Uh, either some of those guys are going to change their DNA, which sometimes that's possible, sometimes it's not, or some of the other guys ain't going to be there. And we're going to get a competitive guy in there. And Zach Watts will fight you. If we want him in our foxhole. That'll be a big ball game for him, but it's, uh, it's at this stage not going to be too big for him, and we're excited about having him. So I'm going to frame it like that. You can read between the lines there. Read between the lines. I'm just not happy. I'm just telling you right now, I'm not happy with the lack of competitive nature that we have on our offense. And that's got to change. And we're changing that as I speak. There you have it. I mean, uh, the conversation was about having Watts in there, but uh, uh, Coach Bowl put it on the line. He wants guys that are competitive. And if he ain't competitive, uh, <clears throat> you might not be around long. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, you know, Jeff, I um, I had a conversation with I and um, I don't know, last two or three weeks ago, and um, um, well, I believe it's right after the Fresno game, and you know that that one just felt like one punch in the gut after another after another. You know, I think you highlighted it. You know how it seemed like we played inside the red zone, the wrong side <laughs> yeah. of the red zone. <laughs> Fresno's red zone. Yeah, we're in the red know, zone on, all on game. A, on a constant basis. And um, I, I made the comment, Diane, I said, you know, Diane, I says, as troubled as I am by all this, when I look at that roster, I said, you know, we are a quarterback equivalent of what Hill brought. I'm not saying an exact replica of Allen. I, I said Hill, but I meant Allen. But a quarterback that's along the line of an Allen mode, we have the running back that, um, you know, right now Nico's having a great senior year, and I totally believe uh, Bigelow and Halliday, you know, are up-and-comers. I'm not concerned about that part. What we're missing then is what's the equivalent of, uh, of like, a gentry on, on the receiving end? And, uh, it, you know, is it is, you know, is that Gunner waiting in the wings? Are there some other freshmen waiting in the wings to come in? I, I um, um, but I'm kind of wondering now, you know, with the red shirt rules, and, and you got to think about things like program management and keeping the numbers because you know, as the years go by, people leave the team for personal reasons. You know, it could be anything from academics to personalities to who knows. You know, um, um, so you do start losing numbers. And the key to successful teams is the greater numbers you keep as they mature into juniors and seniors, the more solid your football team is going to be and consistent. Then you're going to be reloading some spots rather than completely retooling some areas. And to have as many freshmen on the offensive line as we have, you know, doesn't help any, you know, along with, um, well, let's just say that that, we don't see that pizzazz that we've seen in some fellas that have gone off to the pros in the last couple of years. And, and you have, in order in D1 football to be above 600, six or 500 and above, you've got to have just enough difference makers that 
you're better than the average teams. In fact, that that's what I really believe that we're going into in these final four games is Wyoming has a chance to get to six wins. You know, and I, I again, I like I said, I've used this word before. I'm not going to be a big sunshine pumper and say, hey, now we're on a roll. You know, we're going to get those six wins because, you know, what, what six, uh, a buddy of mine says, what does six wins mean? Big deal, you know? And I says, oh, yeah, I'll tell you what a big deal it means. Bowl eligible. Yeah, you know, who cares about these minor bowls? There's too many of them anyway. And I says, no, what I care about it is it means you're practicing another three to four weeks longer than everybody else. You get your one three to four hour stint for that day of being in the national spotlight, one of the future teams, you know, uh, and, uh, and, um, and it also is saying that even if you get there at six wins, you're a 500 team, you've been at least average, you know, and I hate to say, you know, I'm not trying to advocate average is, is where you just want to be, you know, it's, it's, you know, Bulls gotten us to back to back eight win seasons and we're not that terribly far away in my opinion right now. If, if we're especially able to sweep these final six games, you know, what could have been had we maybe done things a little bit different in the Hawaii and the Utah state games, you know, could we be looking at a repeat of that? So I don't think we're terribly far off. I'm not going to send any signals of, concern that the program's falling apart and the wheels are coming off. And I actually appreciate hearing Bull, you know, admit that that uh there's gonna be some things change. We're gonna ask some people to step up and and you know we're gonna see what happens there. Yeah, well uh <clears throat> you know we might as well get into this right now. You know, the if you look at the board and listen, uh you there's a Facebook page called Poke Nation and uh uh <clears throat> the um the crowds with the um the torches and the pitchforks they're all at the castle door uh, knocking on it uh, <laughs> ready to burn the place down so uh, there's a lot of people that are have lost faith in coach bowl and so it makes you wonder um uh just what his status is you know um uh, would you say he's on the hot seat a uh, warm seat, or uh, my opinion is, I don't think it really matters this year. Uh, well, I agree with you, Jeff. I I think his seat's always been a little warmer, but I he has a couple years left to get things done in worst case scenario. Um, this is ridiculous to even think that. I mean, coming off two back to back eight wins, playing for Mount West Conference Championship two years ago. Yeah, things haven't gone quite the way we wanted them to go this year. Uh, it's been basically because of offensive issues. But uh, again, Doug just put together a great summary of the situation right now with the football program. There's still a lot of good young football players in this program. The recruiting classes have been really getting better because the initial recruiting class, you can understand, that was kind of thrown together. He was still able to put some good players together in that class. And... Um, but his most recent classes look to be getting stronger. Uh, now you got the new facility being built. Yeah, there's things that are going to have to be improved offensively, um, and I think hopefully it will attack that and improve that over the next four games going into next season. But with the new facility, um, I think that's going to really take recruiting up to another level. This is the first year 
that the new facility is actually, you can go in there and actually feel it and see it, not under construction like it was with the last previous uh, recruiting class. So um, I don't see this. I mean, it's not the best interest of Wyoming football right now to be making coaching changes. Um, Got to stick with the guy. I think most of what he is doing has been good. And you just got to tie some loose ends up, uh, improve some areas. And like Doug said, we're not that far away if we do that. So. Oh, God, I, I can't I can't see us going through another regime change. Uh, <laughs> no, that's, that just sets us back so far. Well, there's, you know, too many kids right now with the program to just pull the carpet just because one area is not coming together like it's supposed to. There's a lot of other areas of this program that are actually, I think, doing really well. Go ahead, Doug. You know, I, I was going to say, throw in, who'd have thought, you know, when we're prognosticating at the during the summer when we see the schedules out here and projecting wins and losses and all that good stuff, who'd have thought that the first eight teams we played would have a combined record of 36 and 16? I mean, if... if uh, if in the next 52 games that Wyoming plays, we go 36 and 16, we're going to feel pretty mighty about this program. Um, so, I mean, that we've played some opponents that have shown that they can consistently win games. And we didn't look too good doing it. Now, we're going to be playing against teams that currently have um, um, a combined record of 9 and 20. That means that for every one game they've won, they've lost two. Okay, so hey, you know, you can say for every one game we've won, we've lost three this year. But this is going to show, do we have, in the next four games, how we do, um, do we have some tools to work with going forward in the future? Because if we finish these next four games off in a fashion that we've played the first eight games and we just struggle and we get handled, um, then, then I do have some big red flags to put up, you know, going forward in the future. But, um, you know, this is our chance to turn, hey, you know, you, 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 some of the teams we're playing, hey, they won some of their games early on. They played the easy part of their schedule. Now they got to play, you know, they got to finish with the Utah States and the Boise States and the San Diego States and stuff. And, and, We've already been through that part. Now we're playing the teams that have lost to the teams that that we lost to. And uh, now is the chance to see, okay, who's actually the up-and-coming program and, you know, and has more tools to work with. All right, right now i got to put on my brown and gold hat and just say, hey, I think uh, I, I still believe that that we're putting together a more solid program. We have less adversity to deal with than than um, perhaps what it's feeling like. So, you know, all I can say is let's go take care of the next four games, take care of this first game. I, I really believe that this first game is, is well, you know, if you're going to get to six wins, this first game is an absolute must. And playing in Fort Collins, you know, they're going to want some revenge for the the past couple of years. And we need to keep that boot and we need to show that we're the better program. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, <clears throat> the other, the other, I won't say elephant in the room, but the other big topic on the board has been uh, the offensive coordinator, uh, 
vegan, Coach Vegan. And um, I'm curious. Uh, I don't. I won't say that he's not the problem, but I'm just saying he's not. Um, how do I want to put this? Uh, <clears throat> I don't think he's all the problem of the offense, even though we, the coaches are responsible for the performance. Um, the offense operates in a manner that Bull wants it to operate. So um, I'm just not so sure that we can just all throw it on Deegan's back and say it's all his fault, all his fault. Well, I think it's been a combination of things. Um, I would like to see the Cowboys a little bit be more creative, like Doug mentioned earlier. You know, let's put a spark on this offense a little bit. Let's go with Ford on fourth and one. Take some chances because those things are the things that help build momentum. And sometimes you just need a little momentum to get that offense going. So I think some of it is definitely the coaching staff and some of it is the play calling. But also you're dealing, you had a true freshman quarterback, a red uh, red shirt freshman quarterback is what I meant to say. He still looks like he's learning the ropes. You still got a fairly offense, uh, young offensive line just doesn't seem to be playing together. And there probably needs to be more talent at wide receiver. There needs to be more uh, game breakers at uh, wide receiver. So I think there's a combination of things going on right now that it's not all on the offensive coordinator. But a lot of people would disagree with me. A lot of people would get mad, very mad that I would say that. But I'm somewhat defending Deacon. Well, Ian, you know, your point's well taken. Talking about a tight end, in this type of offense that we run, you know, if you want to run this power pro formation, whatever you, lingo that you want to call it, um, you better have pretty stout tight ends. Now, this isn't meant as any criticism for anybody here in the program, but when you look at the three seniors that we have and you look at their heights and their weights, and then you look at the three freshmen that he's recruited, he's got guys that are, physically bigger already waiting to come in next year and and you know I, I, that goes a long ways into being able to pinch the corners make a make a block as the play develops down the field and stuff um as long as you don't do it in eligible receiver downfield the way you line up and all that good stuff <laughs> but um you know and and then talking about the zach watts coming in and and it, it, we don't have a lot of extensive senior leadership on the offensive side of the ball that our, our best senior leadership is on the defensive side of the ball and it, and it shows. And, um, um, yeah, it, it, and it goes back to some of those first recruiting classes, our first two years, you know, four and eight and two and 10, you know, well, Hey, those guys are the, um, seniors and juniors, the red shirt seniors and juniors, you know, now and everything. So, so, uh, yeah, again, it isn't a, a, a knock at any individuals or whatever. It's about assembling together a whole team, you know, a team of 85 scholarship players. Uh, you know, in talking about the coach and where does he sit with his offensive coordinator, it seems like, you know, it wasn't, uh, but 10 years ago, we we're having the same conversation with uh, um, Joe Glenn and his offensive coordinators, and the numbers were just eerily very similar to what we're dealing with right now. Here's a difference. We have full scholarship, you know, on, uh, numbers on the roster. Um, you go back 10 years ago, and even under Christensen, when Bull took this over, 
we were down to what was it, Ian? I think you remember, weren't both programs down to like FCS levels, about 65? I mean, we're, we're 20 to 25 players short of full scholarship complements. That goes a long way into building the program into the future. And right now we just have a lot of that undeveloped and I certainly got to hope the coaches have, have recruited well and we got some guys ready to go. And, and if that means what Bull's saying, we've got to increase the um, competitiveness. Or don't forget that four game scholarship and not lose the red shirt rule. There may be some pleasant surprises waiting for us. That's what I, I'm hoping for anyway, is, is we got some players ready to go and ready to step up and maybe hey, they're ready to turn them loose and still maximize eligibility. Well, that's why Zach Watts is starting. We've been very high on him as a recruit. Remember Wyoming beat Colorado State out for him. He chose Wyoming. So he's this guy that had an offer from Colorado State, an offer from Wyoming. The coaching staff's been very high on him. Um, and now that he has four games left, now they're ready to play him. And they, they appear very eager to play him and get him out there. So there's a, there's a young player right there that, at least from the coach's perspective, seems to have seems to have a lot of a good future ahead of him, big upside. Well, um, I think that uh, you guys are right on it. Uh, <clears throat> that potential is in the in the future, and you know, guy, you're gonna hear it. You're gonna hear that. Well, wait until next year. Or, you know, we gotta wait for more birthdays and all that other stuff. You're gonna, you know, people are rolling their eyes and <laughs> and and some people are throwing stuff at the wall. But when you say that, but uh, in this case, on the offensive side, I think you're right. Uh, and hopefully, in the next four games, as you guys mentioned, we're going to see some of this talent get a chance to go out there and try uh, and see what they can do. And uh, I think that uh, that also builds a little fire under the guys that have been starting because now there's guys sitting right behind them, uh, have been sitting right behind them that are going to get to play. And so... Um, It'll be a really interesting four games, I think. What I'd like to see, too, coming up, and just to comment a little more on the offensive coordinator, is is I would like to see something on the very first play of the game, um, unless the defense is completely lined up and there's absolutely no mistake about I would like to see a play other than handoff to right tackle. <laughs> you know, and... And I, I think that would go a little ways into helping out is 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 seeing what would appear to be a little more of a mix, not so predictable, you know, because it seems like also when we're in third and short situations, you know, third and two, um, we run the ball directly to where they have four guys just stacked right on that corner of the line. We still try and plow through it. It's like, it's like, did you ever hear like faking the handoff and maybe bootlegging it around the side where <laughs> no defenders are? I, is that on the quarterback or is that on the O coordinator? But I'm going to put it on the O coordinator and ultimately on the head coach on stuff like that is, is what either, either by not doing it, you're saying we know our guy can't do it. And so we don't even bother doing it because it's a loser play doing that. Or, you know, I, I just can't believe it. it's like, 
why would you keep running in to the most defenders you can possibly run into when you only need two yards? It, it, that I'm not going to lay that all on the players. I'm going to lay that on the coaches because if the if the players need to audibleize it and do something a little different, then you better coach them on how to do that. We're too many games into the season to run into the most stout part of a defense and not get a first down, punt the ball away. That's conceding points in my book. And from a fan, coaches may not like it, but I want to see my team score some points. And right now, <laughs> averaging 11 and a half points a game in Mountain West Conference play, that hurts. That really hurts bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that uh, we've had uh, Wyoming teams in the past that they, <laughs> they uh, 11 points would be like the, the, the least they would score in the first quarter. Yeah, and that would yeah. be a and that would be a bad quarter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're only giving up twenty five points a game, and, and that's with giving our opponents massive amounts of time of possession. You know, because that's one thing that's supposed to be our forte is having time of possession. But when you're three and out, and especially if one of those three you're forced into a pass that you know is incomplete, the clock stops you're not taking much of any time, maybe two minutes at the most off the clock, and then you're giving that ball back. And, and um, you know, uh, uh, so I'm not even worried about this time of possession and everything as much as that's a great stat to have if you're plugging away and getting first downs. Yeah. But when your plays are so predictable, you know, it. I don't know what the number of plays um, they run, but, to me as a fan, it looks, and I'm, I didn't play football, so I don't know all the stuff, but I've watched enough football. It makes it feel like there's about six plays. And there's two of them we run prolifically. If it's going to be a pass, it's going to be a little roll out to the right and try and dump it off to the tight end. But the last three games, I have not seen that tight end come free. The tight end has been totally covered. Defenses know that. They recognize it through the formation or whatever, they defend it. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's been fantastic to see Nico get some great um, openings, but some of those, it, it's one or two long runs in a game. That's where he's getting his yardage. And then it's uh, so maybe out of 25 rushes and 130 yards, that's great. But when two of the rushes combine for a hundred yards <laughs> and the next, the other 23 rushes combined for 33 yards, you're not moving the ball. You're not getting first downs. Yeah. No, it's just terrible. Uh, yeah. Well said. Good point, Doug. Well, um, Hopefully we'll see a, a, a different uh, uh, side of the team this weekend on Friday. I mean, two days from now, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, so uh, we'll uh, hopefully. Um, now the game is uh, the game is at eight o'clock Mountain Time. Is that right? Yeah, it's eight o'clock Mountain Time on College CBS College Sports Net. Uh, so it'll be nationally televised. And um, again, these, some of these games have a game before it. Sometimes it might kick off a little later. It's hard to say. Um, I actually should look at the schedule first to see if there's actually a game before it. That's always a good idea. <laughs> see if there's a game before it. If there's not, the game will definitely kick off around 8 o'clock. 
Friday nights there usually isn't, and let's see here. Um, the only game that we're competing with on Friday, October 26th is um, at 7.30 on ESPN. It's Utah and UCLA. So we were first out of the gate on Friday, and, and uh, we have our network, and there's ESPN for the other game. That's all the football that's on on Friday. So we're going to get a lot of eyeballs. I hope we don't stink up the place. It, to me, when we get one of those big national games, it seems like we always – we always uh, <laughs> well. We won in Fort Collins two years ago, uh, playing on Friday night. I believe that game was a Friday night affair, but it was definitely nationally televised game, and we played really well. Yep, so that was good. That was good opportunity um, to show what we got and get the season turned. They're still playing to play for, so they should be highly motivated to play the game on Saturday. You know, on Friday night. And then you get that win. I don't want to look ahead. I know I have a way of doing this, but <laughs> look, you know, we get through this game. Then you got San Jose State. Got eight days to get ready for that. Then you have a bye week. Well, we owe San Jose that. State a whooping. Yeah. And you got a bye week to get ready for the stretch run of Air Force of New Mexico. So this game on this is the linchpin game. They have to obviously get this if they can. It's going to be a momentum builder, I believe, for the remainder of the schedule for them. They'll still have a lot to play for. Bowl game is, as Doug alluded to, making a bowl game is still a big deal. And for the reasons he alluded to earlier, uh, it is definitely something you shoot for. Yeah, and you know. Hey guys, I, I got to correct myself. I lied. I was only looking at the top 25 games. Um, the game before us starts at 3.30 uh, or 4.30 Mountain Time, and that's uh, on CBSS, and that's uh, La Tech and Florida Atlantic. So, yeah, we got a game that could possibly cut into ours, and and there's like four four college games on Friday besides um, our game. So, well, fortunately, um, that game is uh, looks like it, you said starts at 4.30 Mountain Standard Time? Uh, 4.30 Mountain Daylight Time, 3.30 Arizona Time. Okay, so there's that 6.30 game. Jeff time. Jeff time, yeah. <laughs> that game needs to finish up within uh, three and a half hours. And I think there's a safe bet. It, a lot of the football games won't go much longer than three and a half long yeah. time. Yeah, we always get yeah. the game. At, the game of, <laughs> it always seems like the game in front of ours is uh, overtime, you know. Three overtimes. Triple overtime. Yeah. Don't say it, Jeff. <laughs> that happened multiple times in the last couple of years. Yeah, you're like, oh, yeah. God, they're not stopped yet. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. Um, I think it's about time we put this one to bed here. No more of this sheep. <laughs> no more of this sheep stuff here. Let's all put them in their little pen and put them to bed. Yeah, there you go, guys. Come on, move on. Move into the barn there. Thank you. Thank you, guys. No, no, no. Get up. Move on. Move on. There, there. Okay. Uh, there we go. We got them in their barn. So, so much for the sheep thing. And uh, we've been blabbing along here for quite a while. So, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, I like to go over and reach over and, um, uh, yeah, there you go. Well, there you have it. Another Cowboy Football Roundtable. 
Guys, I want to thank you for joining me uh, on this Wednesday here before the big game. And uh, uh, Doug, uh, you're going to be watching down there in Phoenix, I suppose. Oh, you bet. And, uh, of course, uh, Ian, uh, you better be running up that I-25 and going up to the sheep pen, are you? Ian, did we lose him? Oh, God, we lost him. Uh Jeff, I think what I am thinking is is something along the lines of dirty deeds done to sheep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. actually back, so I had to step out for a moment. So. Oh, I see. Okay, well, you know, I was asking you, you are going to make the trip up I-25 to the sheep pen, right? I am. I have, I'm planning the entire Friday, bringing a couple friends uh, up north from Denver. Uh, we're going to tailgate, might even hit a few of the breweries. Um, I'm going to make it an afternoon and evening enjoyable and then go to the game. I look forward to these uh, these road games and uh, watch them while we play well. But, you know, I'm looking forward to getting up there. So. Well, now, this is the first one in the new sheep pen for Wyoming. So we've got to put our uh, stake in the ground and uh, uh, make sure that uh, the first one we play there is the one we uh, come away with on a victory. So, uh, I guess we're going to wrap this thing up. All right, it's about that time, guys. Why don't we uh, call it a night, and uh, we'll see you next week. At this time, for the Cowboy Roundtable. There you have it. The Cowboy Roundtable. I'm your host, Jeff Fry. We've been joined by Ian McMacken, publisher of Go I.O. Go, and Doug Friesen, cowboy fan extraordinaire. Thank you, guys, and come back next week when we have another session of the Cowboy Roundtable. The Cowboy Roundtable is a production of Jackalope Ridge Media, LLC. All rights reserved.